0: We are in the thick of a thrilling NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, but the team with the most to gain or lose this month did not even get close to making the postseason. It's Tuesday, May 9th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The Arizona Coyotes are at a major fork in the road, and it is not their choice which fork they take. In one week on May 16th, Voters in Tempe will decide whether or not to approve a new NHL arena and surrounding development on what is currently a landfill. If they do, the Coyotes eventually will have a chance for a fresh start in one of the largest markets in the country. If they don't, it's not clear if they can even stay in the area. I had a chance to speak with Coyotes president and CEO Javier Gutierrez about the team's situation and why they think they have a good pitch to make to voters. Here's our conversation. I am joined now by Javier Gutierrez, president and CEO of the Arizona Coyotes. Welcome, Javier.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me. Great to talk to you.
0: Yeah. So let's just get to know you a little bit. So you uh, got your start in the, the investment world, I understand. How did you end up as president and CEO of an NHL team?
1: You know, I get to ask that question all the time, starting with the fact that I don't know how to skate and I've never actually played hockey. Uh, As you mentioned, I have had a 30 plus year career in investment and finance and in banking. And uh, I I became the president CEO in the middle of a global pandemic. I was named on uh, June 8th, uh, 2020. Not the ideal uh, situation to change careers, but um, it was really Alex Morello, the first Latino owner in the history of the NHL. He uh, he bought the team in August of 2019, and Alex and I have known each other for well over a decade. Um, We're actually business partners. We own a bank together in Southern California, by the way safe and, and conservative bank mm-hmm. in Southern California. I feel like not I have like to say other
0: California banks these days. Yeah, yeah. I feel
1: like I have to say that these days. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, but yeah, you know, we, I, I, uh, I worked with him running his, uh, his investment arm of his family office for about seven and a half years and left and actually was a partner at Clear Lake Capital Group, uh, which is also a now known entity in the sports world as, uh, majority owner of Chelsea FC but um, but Alex bought the team and uh, I was happy for him it was something in as far as sports ownership that I knew uh, he had pursued uh, for a while with him and his family and we had looked at primarily NBA franchises um, but uh, but I was happy for him and came out to to you know his initial press conference to celebrate and he and his family started asking uh, whether or not I, I liked Arizona and what the thoughts were and I I quite frankly, didn't think that it was something I was very interested in. And in February of 2020, you know, right before really the the pandemic had uh, had had really blown up, um, he reached out and he basically said, I, I really think you should do this. And I think that there was a business opportunity, but there was also the, the greater opportunity that he envisioned. And, and what he told me was, listen, I want to bring a Stanley Cup to the Valley. I, I'm going to be focused on it, uh, but there's always only one winner. And so for me, the question is, what, what are we gonna stand for as an organization? And his vision uh, was to have an organization that was beloved and beloved by doing for others. And that's what he wanted the organization to stand for. And he mentioned about this incredible power that sports has to really make an impact and really make a difference. And uh, while we were focused on winning, he really wanted there to be a broader vision of the impact that the Coyotes uh, stood for. And that really resonated with me. And so, um, you know, I said yes. And uh, my wife, Jerrica, my son, Javi, now a 14 year old, uh, we, we packed our bags and we moved to the desert. And, uh, you know, I often tell people it was everything that I thought it would be and nothing I thought it would be. And uh, on the positive and, and everything I thought it would be and more is is this impact. Right. Uh, you have really seen, especially during COVID, this real power that sports has. Um, to bring people together, right, to create hope, to inspire. And the impact that it has on, on commerce and on culture and community uh, really became even more evident during the pandemic. And I have really been blessed and honored, again, being the first Latino president and CEO in the history of the NHL. And uh, unfortunately, the only one in the, the big five leagues uh, right now in, in the U.S., and in Canada, and so for me, there's a great opportunity. Uh, I also happen to be the, the I believe only uh, private equity uh, executive to sit in this chair. There are certainly many that that own teams, and and then you're seeing the funds themselves uh, being owners of the teams. Um, so there is a sense of the business opportunity that exists in sports, and for us in particular, it really is surrounding the uh, the arena that, uh, and, in the sports and entertainment district that we hope to, um, Yum. you know, together.
0: Yeah. And we'll certainly get to that in a moment. What specifically are the coyotes doing in the, uh, in, in Arizona to have an impact?
1: Yeah, well, you know, really at the core of everything that we do is we really focus on impact. And again, that's the mission that we have to to leverage this incredible power that sports has to really make a difference. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, the, the infamous line when they asked Wayne Gretzky's father, uh you know what makes Wayne Gretzky the greatest hockey player ever um and he, what did he say he said you know Wayne goes to where the puck is going not where it's been and we've asked ourselves so where is the puck going in America when you think about the consumer and the fan and the fan in waiting as we talk a lot about and for us you know it's super serving our fan base but it's also going towards this fan in waiting and and what we see that is you know young female diverse tech savvy purpose-driven and that's really the growth cohorts that we're, when we look at what the consumer base in America looks like. And so for us, it's really a focus on being very intentional being very authentic and being very innovative in welcoming those um those fans in waiting you know earlier this year uh, alex Morello jr who's our chief brand officer uh did a, a fantastic collaboration with Ruigi via to actually create the first you know fashion designed um you know third jersey And it was highly, you know, really successful and really resonated with, again, fans in waiting, those that may never have connected with hockey or with an NHL team, but because of the merchandise, because of this streetwear design, because of the efforts that we're seeing, we're gonna go and meet you where you're at, that's really making an impact. And again, for us, sports has this incredible power to really make a difference. And it's not just the philanthropic efforts, it's really to say, how do we welcome every part of the community
0: the coyotes are in a very unique situation with their arena you spent the last year playing at mullet arena uh, which is an arizona state university and has around one-third the capacity of every other nhl arena what was the experience you know from the the team perspective in this kind of peculiar unique situation
1: well, you know, what, what happened was our prior landlord um, had a year-to-year lease and, and uh, were very adamant that we extend it for 20-plus years. And we were very honest with them that that just didn't fit our long-term plans. And so they made the decision they did. We disagreed with it, but they invoked their one-year out Um, And we then began looking for temporary solutions. This is the market we want to be in. We see this as first, the fifth largest metro area in the country, second, the fastest growing uh, county in the country. Um, you have a tax advantage situation, you have great weather, you have growth uh, in the innovation economy companies, a lot of population growth. And so we've always thought this is the right place, we just needed the right location. And so we sought a temporary solution. And, and we reached out to the the folks at ASU. Uh, they were building a brand new arena. And we went to them and said, you know, we are looking for a temporary solution. Now, uh, uh, there was a lot of criticism about it, because it is uh, quite intimate, you know, we're at a about 5,000 people in total capacity. And then uh, we had obviously to upgrade it to an NHL quality broadcast situation in particular. Uh, So you're really closer to about 4,400 people But we knew it was going to be fantastic. One, it's in the right location. Tempe's really at the heart of the valley when you think of the population growth and the the corporate growth. Uh, Second, we knew it was going to be, to NHL standards, Alex Morello spending almost $30 million for a temporary solution that included building arguably the most expensive locker room in all of sports. Um, And to make it uh, NHL quality, we also upgraded the arena uh, so that it could have an NHL quality broadcast. We built out, uh, you know, additional uh, rooms for visiting uh, GMs for the NHL officials. Uh, We had to create all of the the camera bays in order, again, to have the NHL quality. But having said all that, the vision that we had for this temporary situation was that it was going to be an incredible fan experience. And it has been. Um, you know, there was a lot of criticism going into the season and yet, you know, every feedback that we got was, wow, what an experience for fans. You know, we knew it was going to be loud. We knew it was going to be electric. We knew that you would never be closer to an NHL game, any, in any facility. And it was brand new. Now, the one thing that surprised us very pleasantly is that the quality of the ice was incredible. And it was very well received. And when you talk to players, that's the first thing they care about is is the ice good. And the ice was fast, the ice was clean. And again, it was a brand new facility, and uh, we were, again, pleasantly surprised about the ice. But as far as the fan experience, we we received nothing but incredible reviews. We had a number of other team owners and leaderships uh, come and see it for themselves, and that was the feedback they got was, wow, what an intimate experience, what an electric, what what an exciting opportunity for fans. And um, we we're very honest. This is a temporary solution. This, we're obviously focused on our permanent um, proposal, uh, right, about a mile and a half from Mullet Arena. But we knew it was gonna be a great temporary solution, especially for fans. And it's it's turned out to be that. And and quite frankly, for our players, you know, we had an excellent uh, home record. We finally actually had a home ice advantage. Um, They they played in front of our fans. It was a lot of noise, it was a lot of electricity, and uh, it was very successful from that
0: perspective. Yeah, and I'm sure it's not Something the team wants as as a permanent situation, but I can definitely see, you know, being in a a nice cozy little arena where everyone's close and, you know, it's probably going to be sold out every night. Is there anything getting into your your future arena plans, anything that you've learned from this unique experience that is informing uh, how you're envisioning the next arena? i think what people really yearn for now is not just
1: a great game but a great experience and that's what we heard over and over again it's like wow this is great i can walk around i can i can eat i can look at this game it still feels like i'm i'm engaged but i don't have to just be sitting in my seat and so that's what you're hearing a lot that is informing uh you know as we're trying to build a new state-of-the-art hockey arena and live events uh, venue that people want an experience. Even the die hard fans, even the hardcore hockey fans, they want to come in, they want to be entertained.
0: Up next, Javier declines to say what happens if the vote doesn't go the Coyotes' way here, but does have some choice words for the city of Phoenix, which has been a thorn in the side of the Coyotes throughout this process. We'll have the rest of our conversation right after this. Here's what's trending now. You can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Everything they need to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity. Whether your business generates millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, take advantage of this special financing offer of no payments or interest for six months at netsuite.com slash frontoffice. That's NetSuite.com slash front office. And again, you're in this unique situation where it seems this will be decided whether or not it happens by a public vote at a special election on May 16th, I believe. Um, how, how did you feel about the decision to put this before a vote instead of just you know, having the legislature decide, which is what usually happens.
1: Well, you know, we did get a seven-zero approval by the city council in Tempe, uh, but, but there was a couple of unique factors. Number one, Arizona state law um, includes a, a provision that any municipal decision those would all be subject to a referendum. So Arizona state law already includes that, and you know it's it's not a high bar. In order to get a referendum, uh, you basically need ten percent of the prior. Uh, election in terms of signature gathered uh, in order to put something on the referendum. That would have meant about 2,000 signatures to put this entire project to a referendum. So that's the first thing. The second thing is it. this is the largest uh, real estate project in the history of Tempe and, and the, one of the largest in the history of Arizona. And so we knew that uh, there were going to be a lot of people who wanted to weigh in on this. And so we believe we became the first developer that after the city approved it on a 7-0 unanimous unanimous vote um, to, again, approve the development agreement, to approve the entitlements, to approve the zoning. They they did that. We then decided to take it to the voters and be proactive about it. You know, we've had to work very hard to get people informed, to have people kind of go through the clutter and confusion that this is truly the first privately funded sports and entertainment district in the history of Arizona. And, you know, we just talked a little bit earlier. Unlike not only every facility in uh, Arizona, a sports and entertainment facility, but really what you see, uh, you know, uh, around out in sports in general, right? We can talk about the Tennessee Titans, you know, and and getting one point two billion dollars in public money. You have the Calgary Flames, over eight hundred million dollars, and then you have the Oakland A's that right now are seeking to move from Oakland to Las Vegas, but need to secure half a billion dollars of public funding. None of that exists here. We are paying for it. We are actually buying the land that the city owns. It's a current landfill. We are putting up the land and all of the real estate development that we are going to build with our money as collateral for private bonds to actually clean up that landfill. That's the city's current liability. It's going to bring jobs, almost 7,000 permanent jobs. It's going to bring over $800 million in net new financial benefits to the city. Um, And the taxpayers aren't going to have to pay for it.
0: The city of Phoenix has... At times, tried to get in the way. It seems here over um, issues around land use, and because the the proposal is it's right near the border, um, and there's you know some some mutual agreements that Phoenix says is, are being violated by this development. Uh, how much of an issue is that on your end? We certainly don't see it as an issue because the vote's going to continue. The voters are you
1: know going to approve it hopefully on May sixteenth. and uh, and then we're gonna start that project. What we were most surprised is the CEO of Sky Harbor walked down the aisle during the November 29 public hearing for the city of Tempe where we got a 7-0 vote and said, we would no longer oppose this project. We've come to successful um, negotiations uh, with the developer. And so what you do not hear in this lawsuit is a concern over the safety and soundness of the airport. And we just don't think that that's appropriate. We countersued them for $2.3 billion. And uh, we think that it's all gonna go away when the voters vote and uh, we move
0: on. Speaking of that vote, I'm sure you don't like to talk about the plan B in this scenario, but I'm also sure that some people are thinking about what happens if the vote fails. Um, Can you stay in the area if, if this vote does not pass?
1: Well, we're, you know, plan B is winning. And, and we've said that over and over. Plan B is winning. You know, it's a special election, it's a mail in only. We need people to mail in their ballots by May 9th in order to be, uh, you know, uh, delivered by May 16th. Uh, there's only one drop off, uh, which is at City Hall, other than that. So it's, it's a mail in ballot, uh, mail in vote, rather. And so we have been very, very focused. On knocking on doors and uh, our digital and social media outreach a lot of media you know a lot of these types of interviews and then probably most importantly a lot of community and town halls a lot of interactions with the t- with the voters in Tempe informing them telling them this is the right project that has been our focus we know that we have put in the effort we know that people it's resonating with folks and we feel quite confident that come May 16th uh, that the vote uh, Uh, will come our way. We're asking voters to vote yes on all three of the propositions, which is propositions 301, 302, and 303. And we feel quite confident
0: that they will. All right. Javier Gutierrez, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. I hope you are checking out the NHL playoffs. They have been awesome. They've also caused an intra-podcast war because I'm a big New Jersey Devils fan. They're currently losing 2-1 in their series against the Carolina Hurricanes, which is the team of our producer, Daniel Myrick. And the winner of that series is likely to face the team our managing editor, Matt Tabik, is rooting for, the Florida Panthers. I'll try to keep it professional here, but, you know, no promises. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.